Hello and welcome to the Grace Avenue Church Podcast. As you listen to this message, I pray that you're built up, encouraged through God's Word, and I pray that His Holy Spirit leads you and guides you in the way that you should go. I pray that He gives you answers for your questions, healing and help for your life. Most importantly, I pray that this Word helps you to become more like Jesus and a greater influence for Him in our church and in your world. Now, let's grow together. Enjoy the message. pray that this message uh, that I speak really, really helps you um, settle some things. Uh, I, I think it's very easy to come to church and be aware of some things that are going on in our life, but allow those things to kind of go just unsettled. Uh, it's kind of like that pile of laundry in your house you don't really want to attack. When do I want to do that? Or that room that you know, or that closet that you know there's stuff in there, you don't want to go for it. Uh, but it's so important, I believe, that we really look at what, what God is telling us here and what he's saying to us, because this uh, applies to all of us. No matter what age you are, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what you're going through, uh, this very topic I'm speaking about today, believe it or not, it's probably one of the hardest topics to speak about, yet it is one of the most common and easiest topics that we hear commonly. And I think it's far more complex than we actually give credit to. Uh, if you know what I'm talking about, you'll, you'll understand here in just a moment. I want to talk about love that remains. Love that remains. And I'm speaking specifically about God's love, the love of God. And that phrase alone, the love of God, I think it's something that easily rolls off the tongue and it's something that we uh, grow up with or hear or see on signs, God is love, God loves me, God loves you, God loves everyone. But to really understand that, I think takes work. It takes work for us to dig deep into the reality of who God is. I want to read you this verse, 1 John chapter 4, verse 16. It says, so we've come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. I want to read it one more time. So we, everybody say we. It's not just talking about me. It's not just talking about you. It's collectively. Let's think about this. Collectively, we have come to know and we have come to believe the love that God has for us. Now, is that statement true about our lives? Is that statement true about Grace Avenue Church? Is that statement true about the way we see ourselves and the friends that we have here and the family that we have here and the people we're doing life with? Do we collectively know and collectively believe in the love that God has for us. Like we've heard it, but do we know it and believe it? See, to know it mentally, even soul-wise, to know, to be aware there's a love that God has for us is one thing. But to believe it, don't think of believe in the way that we use believe. The word here, believe, means to be fully convinced. Right? Like when you tell your kids, you better believe. I'm not going to tell you again not to do that. That kind of believe. This believe means to be absolutely fully convinced at the deepest level. So think about it that way. We have come to know mentally, emotionally, spiritually. But we've also come to be fully convinced of the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in that love that God has for us abides in God and God abides in in him. Can we pray this morning? 
Father, teach us this morning about your love. Teach us how to grow in this, how to learn from you, how to hear your voice, how to make the best and the most of what we hear today, how to take it and let it become food for our soul, for our spirit. Teach us this morning to walk in this truth that you so boldly declare over our lives for anyone who's received you. Lord God, this morning do a work like no other work we've ever had. Do a work that's so deep, God, that it stabilizes us, that it changes us, that it changes the way we lead, the way we parent, the way we do business, the way we treat people, Lord God. Do your mighty work by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I was talking with uh, Janelle this week, uh, my lovely wife who I celebrated 20 years of marriage with this week. Hang on. Be very careful with this. Did not spill the water. All right. Once. I was talking with Janelle this week over uh, the years we've been ministering to people and how we were, I was talking about how there's generally two types of people um, that misunderstand the love of God. So I want to say this today, and I hope that this, you know, uh, have you seen those memes where somebody posts something and they say, oh, I feel seen or I feel exposed? You're going to feel a little seen and exposed today. I'm just letting you know. Uh, but I hope you don't feel that from a place of condemnation. I hope you really feel that from a place of God may be revealing something to you to, to bring light to something, to help you see something that maybe you don't see or maybe you've not want to see. Okay, um, There are two types of people generally who misunderstand the love of God, and in both groups... Um, I would say that both say God loves me. So in this group, they say God loves me. And in this group, they say God loves me. And if I were to ask this group, do you believe God loves you? They say, absolutely, of course. And then I go to this group here, do you believe God loves you? Absolutely, of course. How do you know? And they would be able to give me scripture. They could tell me some of the things God's done in their life. Both groups would be able to declare um, verbally the love of God, but I believe that over years of observing people and ministering, that both groups are incomplete. I'm going to explain why. The first group is, is people who can never forgive themselves and don't walk in the love and the acceptance of God. Okay, so it's, it's people who are in church. Uh, it's people who love Jesus. It's people who worship. It's people who tithe. It's people who pray. It's people who serve. It's people who, who help the homeless guy. It's people who help the poor. It's people who do, do and serve and live and get up in the morning and read scripture. It, it's people who do all that yet still cannot forgive themselves and don't know how to walk in. Everybody say walk in. Walk in, take steps in, continue in the pathway of the love that Jesus has for us. That's one group, okay? And it, it works like this. No matter, it, it kind of works like this. No matter how many times I hear that God loves me, I'm always going to default back to my own sense of worthlessness, unworthiness, uh, failure, uh, devaluing myself, inadequacy. Pastor Daniel can preach that I'm uh, the best and I'm amazing and God can say it too, but at the end of the day, when I wake up or when I go back to bed, I feel this way about myself. That's one group of people, okay? And it affects everything that people do. It affects their parenting. So when they're parenting, they're never feeling like they're a good parent because they're coming from that place. Not that God is empowering them to be a parent, but they're feeling that place of, I'm a horrible parent. I'm not going to be able to do this. It affects marriage. It affects business. It affects the way people handle money, success, failure. Every aspect of life, the love of God, I believe that, that people can't seem to grasp when they can't seem to forgive themselves or walk in that love, it affects everything about their life. The other group of people is people who selfishly assume on the love of God 
and they don't, don't seem to ever take their own sin against God seriously. So it's kind of like God's good with it, you know? He loves me. I ripped off five people this week, but hey, I did tithe and off of all of it, and God loves me. And, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, I, you know, cheated on my wife a few times, but, you know, hey, you know, God forgives. It's, it's all good, you know. He loves me. Uh, do you hear where I'm going with this? Uh, this, this is the group that, that works like this. I've made mistakes, and, and mistakes are always said as that word, mistakes, instead of sin. They don't call it sin. They call it mistakes. Uh, but, you know, God loves me, and it all works out for good. It's just part of my learning process, because I'm all about growth. I got my goals. And I, I'm not where I used to be, and I'm going further. God loves me. But I don't, but I don't want to talk about my sin. It, it's kind of like this. It's like if somebody went into your wallet and took $1,000, and they know it, and you know it, and then they go, well, you know, I mean, but you've got to love me unconditionally, right? Because Jesus says so. It's, it's okay. It's all right. It's all good. Just, just let it go. Let's just focus on the good. Let's not get into the past and the mistakes we made. Let's just focus on, on the love of God today. Even though they cost something to someone else greatly. I was referring to this individual here that I'm talking about. It's a picture of actually a friend who, who kind of just blew over his divorce. And again, please don't hear this through the ears of condemnation, okay? Any example I'm giving this is not to condemn anyone who's divorced or walking through divorce or been through a divorce. But I'm just telling you what I observed in this individual about his divorce. It was pretty much like, oh, yeah. So he got back on his feet, and, and, and his attitude was, yeah, I gave her the house, gave her, gave her the dogs, gave her this, gave her that. Gave her all, you know, I just let it go. I just, you know, I made the mistake. So he's kind of taking ownership of that, but kind of almost like blowing it off as, as if he made her a success because he gave her all this stuff after he blew the marriage, now, he did rebuild his life, and he did repent, and he did start over, and he's gone on to great things, but, but still there's this thing that's kind of like, well, yeah, I mean, she's kind of blessed because I divorced her and made her life really a, a success and, bl and blessed her, and, and doesn't even kind of acknowledge that, no, this is how it actually works, bro. You broke a covenant with God. You didn't just load her up with money and houses and dogs and treats and trinkets. You sinned against God. And you have to see that side of it because God's love is not something that we're supposed to just flirt with. We're supposed to know and believe it, be fully convinced of it, because it is that place that we live from. And so there's two groups here, right? God loves me, but that's not enough. There's nothing that can make me feel complete. I need something or someone else to, to go well for me, or I can't stand in this love. And then there's the other group. God loves me, and I can pretty much do whatever I want, even if it's not really righteous in his eyes because he's always got my back. Let's take care of me. Uh, I'm a friend of God. I sing that song by Israel Howden. I'm a friend of God, right? And he's my friend. I'm a child of God. So like, okay. Then there's this third group of people who not only have an understanding of God's love, but they're able to help others enter into God's love in places in their life, in different broken places in their life, in areas of their lives where they're lacking a revelation of the love of God. This makes you invaluable to the community. This makes you <clears throat> a champion of heaven. This makes you a minister of the gospel. This makes you one who pours out the goodness and the grace of God into other people's lives. Okay? There's areas in each of our lives where, where we need help. 
where we need a greater revelation of the love of God because maybe we're in five areas, we're really good, but then there's one area, we always come back to this incomplete place with God. And then maybe over here once in a while, we repent of our sin, but the rest of the time we kind of just live how our brains seem to be wired and we just kind of do what we want and we don't really look back and don't think about how we're affecting other people, don't really think about the choices that we made. Okay, but both of them don't compare to this third group I'm talking about, okay? Um, there are areas where you're knowledgeable and you're confident in God's love. And then there's some areas where you're not. There's some areas where you're still broken or you're still dealing with stuff. And you don't really know what that is until stuff happens to you. People who've been married <laughs> 20 years or more, like me, can reflect on the past and tell you that you can say I do, but you don't know what that really means five years from now or 10 years from now or 15 years from now or 40 years from now or 50 years from now. And so often the declarations that we're making in great confidence, maybe even in faith, haven't been tested and proven yet. And so we have to walk those things out. It's the same with the love of God. We can declare that we love God and that God loves us, but we have to learn how to walk in that. And we don't really know if we believe it until, guess what? Something happens that we didn't plan, we don't like, we don't agree with, and we don't think is fair. It's in those places, in those moments. I'll give you an, I'll give you an example how these two groups play out in, in this, what I'm talking about, parenting. This is the one uh, we've probably seen the most, parenting, right? Uh, I'm going hor- to be a horrible parent. That's what this one says. I'm, I'm just going to be horrible. I'm going to be a horrible parent. I didn't get what I needed. I never grew up with this. Uh, the home was a wreck. Marriage was a wreck. How am I going to do this? It's never going to work, right? And then this, this group over here is, I'm going to be an amazing parent. I'm going to be the best. I've got everything on the checklist, on the Amazon, on the Target checklist for the baby shower. Uh, we're, do, we're, oh, well, we're doing the gender reveal. We've got everything. Pl- I'm going to be an amazing parent. Everything's going to go great. Uh, both of them are always in our office shedding tears, because of the reality of what they've now stepped into, what they've gotten into. Like, I didn't know it was like this. We tried to tell you that, but we tried to tell you it wasn't going to be as hard as you think it is here, but it would be difficult. And we tried to tell you, you weren't going to be as amazing as you think you are, but you didn't hear that. And those are the areas that we often find people uh, dealing with their own exaggerations and their own self-reliance. They're not relying on God's love to get them through the very thing that they know God is blessing them with, okay? If there is one thing God will teach you anything in, it is through parenting. He will teach you that you actually know nothing. Uh, you, you really don't, no matter how many books you read. And you will, he will teach you, what I've learned, more about himself through your kids and more about himself through your kids. You will see things in your kids that reflect God, and you will see things in your kids that reflect you, the good and the bad. (laughs) Are you with me this morning? See, the love of God is both mercy and justice. I want to point that out this morning. The love of God is both mercy and it's justice. So it's mercy for the person who over here who knows they need forgiveness, but it's also justice for the person who has willingly and knowingly sinned against him, and it has to be both. Okay, Old Testament and New Testament. Old Testament, a, right, a sacrifice must be made for sin. New Testament, Jesus is the once and for all sacrifice that covers all sin. 
I don't need to keep going back to God to ask him to forgive me of something that I've already asked him to forgive me for and that he has fully forgiven me for. That's his mercy. But I needed justice for that sin. But Jesus paid that. So now I can walk in the fullness of his forgiveness. That third group understands that. That third group understands that, embraces that, and then is able to walk out what grace is, mercy is. See, mercy is shown through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He showed us our worth by giving himself up for us. Justice is shown through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. He showed us the seriousness of our choices by taking punishment of sin upon himself. Is this helping you today? The love of God is also grace and truth. Grace is shown through Jesus' sacrifice because God loved you before you could ever do anything to love him back. Do you ever think about that? Before you even thought of doing anything good for God or people, God loved you. And God ordered your steps. And God prepared the path that you would walk on. And God knew the journey that you would go on. All of this has been to bring you back to himself. To continually bring you back to him. To show you his goodness. To show you how much he loves you. You see, Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates his own love for us. In this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, grace is shown that way. While we were still sinners, before I even had a thought in my mind about loving God, God loved me. And God loved you. Truth, so we're talking about grace. Truth is shown through Jesus' sacrifice because God put your sin and my sin upon Jesus and has forgiven us much. Okay? Because sin has consequences. Right? The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. So think about this, how we often find people in two camps. You know, all they want to do is talk about their sin and their mistakes and those who never want to talk about it. <laughs> What's wrong with both those pictures? An incomplete view of the love of God. See, someone who really understands the love of God can understand that Jesus is mercy and justice and he's also grace and truth. He is these things that he embodies all of it. This is why it's far bigger and richer and more complex than just Jesus loves the little children. We have to let our own dysfunction dive into where he loves us and how he loves us to help us see so that we're not walking paths of unforgiveness for ourselves when God has forgiven us or arrogance when we should be aware of his grace and his mercy. See, in Luke chapter 7, there's this woman who comes to Jesus and the Bible says she stands behind Jesus and then she comes in front of him and then she begins to wash his feet with her tears. She begins to pour this very expensive perfume on his feet and she begins to wash them. And it says that by her tears, she actually saturates his feet. And the people at the party that were invited there, that invited Jesus, were Pharisees. And the Pharisees who were the most religious, uh, you know, the religious scholars of the day, the people who would know the word the most, people who were the most religious looked at Jesus and said, if you knew who this woman was and how sinful she is, if you were really spiritual, you wouldn't have her there next to you. You wouldn't even want to be near her. Okay? And the Bible does refer to her as a sinful woman, right? Okay? Yet Jesus says this, I tell you that her many sins are forgiven. So she showed great love, but the person who is forgiven only a little will only love a little. See, a person who understands that they've been forgiven of so much can pour out much. A person who doesn't think that they've done anything wrong, ah, oh, you know, it's just a little sin against God, it's not a big deal, 
isn't going to pour out the love and the grace and the mercy and the truth. It's not going to be an outpouring because they don't think they've been forgiven of much, but they've both in these groups have been forgiven of much. Both are deserving of grace and mercy. Uh, both need to walk in truth and the understanding of justice. And in John chapter 15, John chapter 15, Jesus is speaking about this love that I'm talking about, a love that remains. And he says this, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. This is right before he's going to go to the cross. This is some of the, the last moments before he's spending time with the disciples, John 15, 16, 17. But here in 15, he says, as the Father's loved me, so I've loved you. Now, in other words, let me get your attention here. Now, remain in my love. Remain in it. Okay, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love just as I have kept my father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Okay, Uh, the love of God is something God desires would remain. The love of God is something that he desires would, meet, would, would remain. Not just something that we would be aware of, not just something that we would kind of have a general knowledge of, but something that would stabilize us, anchor us, and hold us. Now, why do we need to be stabilized and anchored and held? Because life throws us around. Our emotions throw us around. People can set us off, right? You'll be driving tomorrow morning. You don't believe me? Just drive tomorrow morning. Look how everybody's driving right now. Right, The love of God is something God desires would remain in us. Not just, not just a general knowledge. Not just like this little morsel of, oh, okay, nice. God loves me. Now I need to get on about my life. This is what Jesus is asking. I want this love that I'm living for, that I'm giving you, I want this to remain in your life. I want it to anchor you. I want it to stabilize you. I want it to keep you when all hell's breaking loose against you. This is the thing that's important. And my prayer is that, I, that you see the model as I have loved the Father and the Father's loved me. And you've seen that love mo- modeled here. I want that to be a model for you. Let this love remain. Don't let it become something fleeting. Something that disappears at the first substitute that comes into your life. The first trinket, the first toy, the first thing that comes to distract us. Jesus says to remain in it, which suggests that we can move away from it. We can drift from it. We can find substitutes for it. We can find all kinds of things to distract us. Something else or someone else. Because God's love doesn't have to remain if something else or someone else takes its place. Then we're like this person. Oh, I'm good. I know God's requiring more, but I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I know he loves me, and he does. But he has more for you. See, if you just read verse 10 where he says, if you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love. See, if you just read that part, all you'll think is, God just wants me to obey. Uh, he just wants me to do what's right. And, and if I do that, then I'm going to remain in his love. And, and if I don't do that, then I'm not going to remain in his love. But that's not what he's saying here. That's not what he's saying at all. He's not giving people ultimatums. He's not threatening people. He's saying, as the Father has loved me, I want you to see the love that the Father has for me, okay? So I have loved you. This is the love I've modeled for you. Now that you've seen that love, I want you to remain in that as a parent. Because there's times you're going to feel worthless in your parenting. 
And there's times you're going to feel worthless as an employee. And there's times you're going to feel horrible as a business owner. And there's going to be times where you switch careers and move. And you're not doing what you used to do. And, you, and you're not doing the things that you thought you'd be doing by this time or this age. And, and I don't want that to shake you from the way I feel about you. True love. That holds you no matter what. See, that's the kind of unconditional love we sing about. That's why we can sing a song called Wait on You, and we can wait on God because we know there's a God who actually loves us. See, Jesus puts the responsibility on us to keep. Wow, I've really got 10 minutes left? This is awesome. I thought I was already done. Man, I'm going to give you all an extra 30 as a bonus just for, for making me preach so fast today. Jesus puts the responsibility on us to keep it and to guard it and to watch over it. How? By remaining in it. Remaining in his love. Remain because we drift. We drift from things that we absolutely need. And then we actually want people and things to fill up the void. New things to settle us. Why do some people live so completely fulfilled in Christ? And some don't. Ever met people like that? All they do is walk, talk, eat, breathe Jesus. Almost a weird way. <laughs> You're like, are you really an angel from heaven? Like, you don't seem real. You're, like, you're, you're, you're godly, but you're like too godly. I get around people like that. Honestly, I feel so blessed when I'm in their presence. Uh, I certainly feel less holy, but I certainly feel far more blessed when I'm in their presence and I recognize, Lord. And what happened? I don't know what happens to you. Maybe some of you run, but like for me, I want to be more like that. I want to be more like that with people. I want to be more like that with stress. I want to be more like that with problems. I want to be more like that with my kids. I want to be more like that. All right? That's how my wife feels when she sees me every morning when she wakes up. <laughs> Daniel, I just want to be. Do y'all believe that? No? Okay. That was a test. You passed. Um, last point here. The love of God is something that completes us. The love of God is something that completes us. One more time. The love of God is something that completes us. All right? The love of God is something that completes us. See, we're all struggling, I think, in some area of our life to be completed. Like, when are we really going to be anchored and just settled and happy? I know what areas in my life... <laughs> But what about you? We're not talking about me today. We're talking about you. <laughs> Let's think about it. What areas have to go so well for us to be complete in God's joy, complete in trust? Just settled. Knowing that God is God. I do what I can, but God is God. See, see Jesus is saying, notice he's not saying here, I want you to be happy. saying, I want you to be complete because happiness can come and go, right? Happiness can come, it can go, it can show up, it can disappear. But being complete, he's saying, I want you to be fulfilled. I don't want you to just be emotionally stirred or moved for your purpose towards greater things in life. Or having more emotional, mental healing to just feel better. 
All those things are blessings and all those things are great, but that's not what he's saying here. To say he wants us complete, or some other translations, full, filled to capacity, overflowing, that's different than happiness. The bottom line is that God does not desire that you be anything less than complete. This is what he's saying here. He's saying, this is what I want for you. Now, what do you want for you? Who do you want for you? Because what I want for you is different. Complete joy in God is what you can have and find and exist in when people reject you, when people betray you, when people lie to you, when people misrepresent you. Every leader needs to hear this. Leaders must be secure in the love of God to handle anything, whether it's two people or 200 people. Because once people say something, if your worth and your value is found in what they think or what they say, and these days they post it online, you may crumble at, at the words of someone who you just give the power to, to hold your complete trust in God, your value, your worth. Think about that. An online review, a comment, a text someone sends, an email, someone blasting off on you, unloading on you, saying all kinds of stuff. Where do you stand in those moments? You don't know. You don't know until you read it. You don't know until you hear it. You don't know until you've been worn down and then you have to question, is that really me? Is that my worth? Is that my value? I don't know. What do you put your worth and value in? Is it the love of God? Is it complete there? God wants us thriving not just existing. See, our flourishing brings God happiness. This is what he says, I, I want my joy to be in you. The joy that I have, the joy that Jesus says, I carry this. I want you to have this and I want it to be complete in you. That way when the winds come and the storms blow, what will hold you? See, the love of God is an anchor for the soul. It's, it's covenant love. It's not fleeting love. It doesn't come here and there and show up every Tuesday or maybe every fourth month. The love of God is consistent. You know, as I've ministered to people over the years, I've always wondered, and I've gone through my own suffering, but I've always wondered who people, when they, when they encounter tremendous, tremendous suffering, even though it's hard, I've watched. I still don't know how they do it, but I'm still watching. How they can come out more stable, more in love with God, more generous, more peace-filled, more wise, more patient. And I look at that and I know, I know the reality of life. I see it every day in your lives and in the lives of others. I know trouble exists. I know suffering exists. I know pain comes, okay? I'm not volunteering for it, but I'm asking God, how would I handle that? How would I handle that situation? Every time something bad I hear about it, I have to think, how would I handle that? I have to lead this. I have to have compassion for this. How would I lead this? What do you say, God? How would I handle this? I don't know how I'd handle this. I think I'd handle it this way. It's in those moments I find out, wow, I don't, I don't know if I could trust you through that. And those are the moments where we have to take stock of and say, okay, God, show me how to remain in you in this season. Show me how to remain in you. I was in a, I'll close with this. I was in a, probably one of the first times, kind of like, kind of like Pablo, when I, first group of men in a Bible study, just getting real with dudes and <laughs> learning a whole bunch of stuff about 
real man problems. I was like 22 and I thought I had all kinds of problems and I realized, wow, okay. Talking with guys who were in their 30s and 40s and 50s and realized I got a life to live. One of the guys, never forget him to this day, um, had lost his wife in a car accident. And so I spent a year in a group with this guy. He was part of this uh, Christian counseling elective I was doing in college. And as I sat in that group for a year with this guy, and I just observed him and I would listen to him talk, I remember just the peace that he carried. And I remember towards the end of the year, we were all praying over each other. And uh, this man was so godly, so calm, so patient, so loving, uh, just so caring, just a, a, a gentle guy. And he's a mechanic and he works on cars. <laughs> like he's a rough dude. He can, he builds things. He has grease on his hands all day, you know, but, but then you see him here like this, this guy rips apart engines, but he puts souls together. It's amazing. And after losing his wife he, in, in a car accident, he wasn't bitter. He was not angry. He was not stuck in sorrow and remorse. And it had happened within the last 18 months. Um, he had a joy. He didn't have happiness. He had joy. He was not happy about the way his life had turned out, but he had joy in God. And I sat there for, with that man because you can meet anybody in a group and you can meet any, or like me, you can hear me say this and think, yeah, but is it real? I got to walk with this guy for a year. You get to observe people's lives. And as I observed his life, uh, he was not some bubbly personality. But here's what he was. He was stable and complete in God. And I've never forgotten his countenance. I've never forgotten his demeanor. Um... And I've never ascended to that level of awesome that he was. <laughs> but that picture of him is always in my mind. Lord, make me more like that man in the face of trouble. Lord, make me more like that example that he is in the face of difficulty. I wanted to just talk about the love of God today. Passionately patiently and I hope today whatever group you may find yourself in maybe you're in the group can't find forgiveness for yourself uh, maybe you're in the group over here you don't really think you need forgiveness there's another way and that way is to go back to that first verse I said to know and believe the love that God has for you this could change your whole life. This could change the way you parent. This could change the way you lead your business. This could change the way you see yourself. This could change the way you get up in the morning. This could change your remaining years that you have left. Your remaining years that you have left. To see through a lens. I didn't see through this lens probably until the last few years. It's far easier to preach it than it is to really embrace it. It's far easier to have head knowledge of it, but not yet walk in the soul, complete knowledge of it. And by faith, I did it. And by faith, I preached it to people. But until you go through your own storms, you don't really know what you believe. And my prayer for you is that you would know what you believe, that you would come to know and believe the love that God has for you. Amen.
Amen. Come on, let's stand this morning. So if we take a moment, there's some things that I actually wrote down that I, I wanted to pray over you before we dismiss today. So if you would, would you just close your eyes? And if you so desire, lift your hands to a God who loves you. It's a sign of surrender. Today, my prayer is that you would turn from self-reliance to trust in a loving Father who cares for you. I pray that your steps would be ordered and that your mind would be renewed. I pray that your spirit would be refreshed today as you embrace the love that God has for you. I pray that your cares, your anxieties, and worries would be lifted off of you and that you would truly know love that remains. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Lord, let it be done in us. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I pray that that word blessed you. If you'd like to know more about Grace Avenue Church or want to know more about how to be a part of what God has called us to here in the city of San Antonio, or if you'd like to sow financially into our vision and mission, please visit us online at graceavenuechurch.com. Thanks so much for listening. We hope to see you soon.